It's time for you to look inward and begin asking yourself the big questions. Who are you? And what do you want? The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. You can't wait around for someone to help you. You have to help yourself. CHI Memorial called reporters to their hospital as they vaccinated their first group of frontline workers. This nurse was in that group. About 17 minutes after receiving the shot, she took questions from reporters, and then this happened. Hello, welcome to the Panacea Concept. Today in this extra long, extra packed episode, uh, we, we discuss the animal farm that we appear to be on. So that may sound really bleak and, and a good reference to George Orwell, uh, his book called Animal Farm on the bookshelf right now. Haven't read it, uh, but I believe I understand the metaphor. Anyway, the um, what I want to start off with is an old clip from the dead zone maybe you've seen it before or uh, a longer clip but this is a very condensed version of uh of that episode and let's take a listen time is not on our side it's like looking for a needle than a needle stack we have ruled out all the usual suspects influenza sars bacterial pneumonia how long is it going to take well it took 34 days to isolate the coronavirus that caused sars and that's fast I'm authorizing a quarantine on everyone who's come in contact with a symptomatic person. There's got to be something I can do. And the enzyme this virus leads when they reduce So the chloroquine did this. So the chloroquine did this. No, no, no. The chloroquine. This is it. This is your virus. I'm sorry, but there's no cure for that. Chloroquine, that's an anti-malarial drug. No. Listen. Suppresses the enzymes. Oh, Welcome back, you damn fool. What happened? We started everyone on chloroquine, stopped the thing dead in its tracks. Now, the CDC would have figured it out eventually. I'll leave it there one second short. So um, the chloroquine, which was the older original, I believe original version of hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine being uh, slightly safer, I believe, and newer, uh, still off patent, still very cheap. This was known to block the ACE uh, pathway, so the angiotensin converting enzyme 2, I believe, is the, um, the pathway which the coronavirus spreads in the body. Now, uh, this was known since uh, the dead zone. So, so what was that, like 2000, 2005 maybe? Well, I believe it's 2005 because there is an old 2005 study on chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine, forgot which one. Uh, let's see, it's right here in the notes and I'll be in the show notes below. It is, well, doesn't say in the link, but if I open the link, it is chloroquine. Yes, it is chloroquine. Uh, being effective, blocking the enzyme so it slows and or stops the uh, spread of the virus. So this was known for a very long time. There's even a Korean clip 
from a Korean show talking about the SARS-CoV virus and how it was it can be stopped by chloroquine. Um, and then we have the real life thing in 2020 or 2019, and um, they don't go that way. Isn't that weird that there's old research that shows how to handle the first SARS coronavirus, but the sequel is not handled in the same way? But anyway, I'm already getting off topic. So is there a history of the government lying to the people and doing horrific things to the people they're supposed to be working for? Yes, yes there is. And I'm going to go over a few uh, very notable, a few, a very a small sample of what is actually, what has actually taken place in just the U.S. There's, there are other countries where they've experimented on their people before and lied and uh, decades go by and eventually the truth comes out and, and um, there's this weird psychosis where, and I think this happens to any people who have been abused by anyone, is they end up thinking, well, it won't happen again. You know, it won't happen now. Nowadays, it doesn't happen anymore. It's it's you know, it's it's the present. It's not the past. So there's this weird um, uh, cycle of repeating history over and over again, and, and it happens because people don't even know their history, and if they do find out their history, they uh, tend to ignore it. Like I said, like like victims of abuse. So um, I have my own perspective, everyone has their own perspective, and I think in order to understand other people, we need to understand where they're coming from. It's not that people are believing crazy things because they're crazy, it's because they're believing, they're believing something different than you or me uh, because of their perspective, what they've seen, their blueprint, as uh, many uh, success gurus like to call it. Now, there should always be skepticism Skepticism then if this much of history, uh, just this history keeps showing that the government cannot be trusted. We should always question what they say. We should always arm ourselves with knowledge and talk to each other, talk to our community. Otherwise, we're just talking to the figureheads who are supposedly in charge, right? Uh, if we don't talk to each other, who are we going to talk to? We're just going to be listening to the uh, f the face of the government, whatever face we're, that's doing the talking, really. And oddly enough, and just a side, another small side tangent, is that you notice that many people, when they're giving speeches, don't wear masks. And that's the only face you see. Everyone else, masked, uh, masks are covered, so or faces are covered. And... Um, and that, that psychologically makes people harder to trust. If you see some faces, it's a little bit easier to trust. But anyway, uh, moving on. So what are the presidents of uh, the, the country, or the, not the country, the government, lying to its people? The, let's, let's take some very notice, notable examples. War. I don't think there's too many people who think that the government uses the military appropriately, it more seems to be a tool for acquiring more power or resources. And that's pretty much the general feeling that I get when I talk to anybody. Most people don't agree with many of the wars or many of the uh, applications that the government use, uses the military for. So uh, so if, we, if we're all practically in, in agreement on that, then why are we blindly trusting whatever they say? Doesn't make sense, does it? Anyway, 
Um, next one, the Tuskegee, Tuskegee experiments. This is very popular. Very like a lot of people know about this, um, and it's insane. So uh, back in the fifties, uh, I believe, back in the fifties, around 1950, the government conducted an experiment on, I believe somewhere close to a thousand people so 399 black men had syphilis they were in a uh, they were used in an experiment by the government uh, to see how the disease spreads so these 399 black men uh, thought they were getting treatment for bad blood is how the article I read puts it and oh, actually now it was from the CDC so the article from the CDC uh, links also in below uh, below in the show notes so they were treated for bad blood is how they understood it uh, but they were not so 399 of them were not treated but uh, I believe under 300 were uh, given the treatment so they, they kind of have like a uh, a control trial so um, 399 had the disease and the other ones didn't and they just saw how the disease progressed with uh, the close to a thousand people uh, black Americans and for 40 years so that experiment went on for a very long time uh, of course it wasn't the truth didn't come out until 1997 so that that was uh, you know 40 plus years of, of the lie, of covering it up. The government actually admitted to this mistake, and if you actually read the CDC article that I have linked below, you'll find that they kind of downplay how horrific it is for the government to perpetuate disease in a community, but that's okay. It's a minority community. Okay, and along the same time, the this happened. This was unearthed by a researcher at Wellesley College. What she found is that in the 1940s, doctors at the U.S. Public Health Service, a part of the U.S. government, uh, were interested in studying sy uh, syphilis and penicillin. They had penicillin. They weren't quite sure how well it worked. It was in the early days of penicillin. So they went to Guatemala, and they found some prostitutes with syphilis, and they arranged for the prostitutes to have sex with prisoners mm. in jail and also with patients who were in a mental hospital to infect those patients and then give them penicillin to see if it worked. Now sometimes the patients didn't get sick, so what they did was they, and this is really horrible, they took their arms and their penises and would abrade them, would sort of rough them up and pour the bacteria onto that skin. And then when that didn't work, they would sometimes just inoculate into the spine. They would do a spinal puncture and give the syphilis that way. And then they would try the penicillin to see how it worked. And let me read a little bit from the apology. It's just coming, you know, today. This, this happened. Is, hang on. This is a U.S. government we're talking Correct. about. Correct. Human guinea pigs. Human guinea pigs. Right. Sponsored right. by the U.S. government. So Go here's on. the apology. Uh, we deeply regret that it happened and we apologize to all the, <coughs> excuse me, to all the individuals who were affected by such abhorrent research practices. Okay. <laughs> I know, it's I know. almost like you don't know what to say. I mean, we think about, you remember the Tuskegee Institute, the, the research there that they did on, on African Americans. I, why, before we get to that, right. 
We'll get to that part of it. Why did it take 60 years to come to light? You know what? Apparently this was, nobody knew about this. This researcher at Wellesley College was looking into the experiments done in Tuskegee and found that this one doctor named John Cutler, that before he did Tuskegee, he went to Guatemala. So she found these documents and she brought them to light. As a matter of fact, we called the Guatemalan embassy this morning to get a response and they... They didn't really even have anything to say. They said this was new to them. They had just heard about it. And we mentioned the Tuskegee experiment. Is there any relationship? Yeah, there is a relationship because it was the same doctor. But there is a difference, which I think is important to point out. In Tuskegee, what they did, and this was in the 30s through the 70s. With African-American men. With African-American men, right, African-American men. These were men who naturally had syphilis. They had just caught it on their own. But the government had a medicine for the syphilis, they had penicillin, and they didn't use it. They chose not to use it so they could study the natural course of the disease. So it's, you know, both are horrible. I don't want to compare one to the other. Both are horrible, but they are different. I, I, I really, it's unfathomable, as you said. And it, I saw you reading it just getting... Um, choked up there because yes, I can't believe it. Yes, it's so know. disturbing. And, you know, thank goodness today there are different standards. There, You know, at that time, you know, it was like the Wild West. You could mm -hmm. pretty much do whatever you wanted. Now there are standards for it so that those kinds of things we hope don't happen. Secretary of State, Health and Human Services Secretary, both apologizing, as well the government should apologize for this. Right. It's horrific. This doesn't live up to our standards as no, Americans. No, no. And, and, and thank, you know, thank God, hopefully, this is, you know, does not happen now. There are standards in place. You would never get away with doing this now. And almost in a foreboding ending to that uh, CNN clip. Um, but anyway, the, the, I want to introduce that clip uh, again because this is from CNN. I didn't mention that for those listening on the podcast. And the um, CNN is a propaganda network uh, that hires actors to pretend to be journalists. And, um, and so these two actors pretending to care about what they're reporting on uh, you can see it kind of crack when um, the first lady kind of laughed, and and to be honest, it's so horrific that people can end up, you know, letting go a chuckle because it's so just disgusting and just like surprising, you know, that that you get one of those uh, black humor type of uh, dark humor, black humor. I'm pre pretty sure it's the same black comedy, dark humor. Anyway, um, the this that kind of response, you know, and. Um, and you can tell that the, the second guy, uh, Don Lemon, I believe, Dan Lemon, Don Lemon, uh, he wasn't even listening to what the lady was saying because he even asked the question that she answered, uh, that she already answered. So anyway, so Propaganda Network at the end, very foreboding. What they said, what they said was, oh, well, this could never happen now. I'm sure people in 1940, 1950s, or whatever, they, they believe they couldn't happen to them then because... You know, there are standards, but these things can happen. They do happen, and they happen repeatedly because people don't understand history. They don't understand. I didn't learn these things uh, in recently until recently. And what, you what you'll find is that people are purposely not taught how to critically think. I wasn't taught how to critically think, and it's something I work on every day. That's part of, uh, you know, being adults. But, um, but many people don't understand the history that the government knowingly has experimented on 
thousands. And, and this is only the first example, first two examples, really. So they, the government experimented on people in Guatemala paying for hookers, paying for prostitutes to spread disease. That's government, ta that's taxpayer money. Um, and it's, I mean, I even, I'm even letting go some of those horrific chuckles uh, because that's just, it's just awful. So anyway, uh, and then they also did the same thing for black people. So black Guatemalan. So what are, what are all these? You're going to see a, a, a trend uh, from all these articles. It's typically, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So next one, Puerto Rico. Uh, to sum up this, the, uh, this article is from the history.com. And to sum this up, is that Puerto Ricans, Puerto Rican women were experimented on um, to create the first birth control pill. That seems like a big part of history that people should know about, um, but I guess it's because it's the uh, unflattering side of the government that that this is not even really talked about. But a major, uh, almost half of, of Puerto Rican women were sterilized. Uh, for I believe also the same amount of time was it 40 years uh, let's see uh, let me read here uh, being right so women again did not consent just like the African Americans uh, black uh, Americans however you want to say it Guatemalans they didn't know about the experiment these Puerto Rican women also didn't know about the experiment that was being conducted on them uh, so anywhere between 30 to 40 percent of Puerto Rican women were sterilized. Um, I don't have, I have the link, so if you wanna see the time frame, but I believe it was the same thing, a, a 30 plus years of experimentation. And um, the, what I wanna to mention too is that, uh, you know, this came as a surprise to me because I'm half Puerto Rican, half Dominican, and I never learned this stuff until I heard it uh, from like a, particular line in a Spike Lee movie, I believe. I'm not sure. Um, somewhere I heard it, maybe on a podcast. But um, but yeah, to, to know that your potentially your, you know, some family members were in an experiment that the government conducted for a long time is disgusting. Was it the, uh, yep, U.S. government funded, wasn't it? Funded by the U.S. government. Okay, here's an excerpt from the History.com article. Puerto Rico was the perfect place. This is someone else. Um, they're quoting someone else uh, who started the trial. At the time, it was the, in the midst of a population boom and poverty was rampant. It was also home to birth control clinics that had once been funded by the U.S. government under the New Deal programs. Uh, okay, so it might have been privately funded. So now Procter and Gamble. So those are the heir to oh, and to American eugenicists, Clarence Gamble, funded and ran many himself. So Gamble believed that Puerto Rico Puerto Ricans and other living in poverty, others living in poverty, should be wiped out to make more room for more fit members of the population and birth control was part of that vision so birth control came about for eugenics for eugenics purposes i'm pretty sure i'm pronouncing those wrong but anyway for the superior race sort of purpose so sound familiar sounds like nazis right we'll get to that 
um, not too far off. So, uh, and uh, excuse me, my cat is just woke up from a nap and he wants to go to sleep on my lap. So apologize if you saw cat butts for a second. So for um, so for more on that article, feel free to click on the link. It is a depressing read, of course. And again, the History Channel is probably going to downplay the horrific nature of the government. But uh, here we go. Next up, next example is, uh, well, well, let's discuss America's relationship with eugenics. So as the other article brought up, that these very rich, very uh, influential people in American society decided to, split to, to fund and experiment on Puerto Ricans and, for decades. And let me just put you down. So cute. Yes, so here is the example of some more of America's dark history and and really it's more of the government so I don't view this as America completely like what America represents what I view this as is the government of America and I think America should be represented by its people and not its government same thing like uh, China's government does awful things I don't really uh, believe that the Chinese people and the government should share the same reputation. So I'm going to say that uh, Chinese people are, you know, like most human beings, good fundamentally down to their core, but the government does awful things, just like our government. And I don't know how many governments um, can be in that good category. Uh, so these sterilization programs, this is an excerpt from nature.com, these sterilization programs found legal support in the Supreme Court in Buck versus Bell in 1927. The state of Virginia sought to sterilize Carrie Buck for promiscuity as evidenced by her giving birth to a baby out of wedlock. Some suggest she was raped. In ruling against Buck, Supreme Court Justice Wendell Holmes opined, it is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for a crime or to let them starve for imbecility, society can prevent enough, prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles is enough, uh, Black said in 2003, I believe. Uh, that's the reference? Wow. Okay. Uh, this decision legitimized the various sterilization laws in the United States. <laughs> what? So take a second with that sentence. This decision legitimized various sterilization laws in the United States. So that's right. This, com this uh, company, this uh, government uh, has a history of sterilization. Uh, well, we already know that from Puerto Rico, but here in the mainland, they also have... Um, history of sterilization. So in particular, California's program was so robust that Nazis turned to California to advice in perfecting their own efforts. Hitler proudly admitted to following the laws of several American states that allowed for the prevention of reproduction of the unfit. That's quote unquote. So the U.S. 
eugenics movement began to lose power. This is from the article, that's what it says, um, in 1940s and was completely discredited following the horrors of Nazi Germany. With modern advances in genetic testing, it is important to keep America's eugenics history in mind. Yet we, yet can we avoid repeating this dark chapter? If so, many in our country don't know about it. So that's important because if we don't understand our history, we're going to repeat it over and over again. And um, and I would argue against what that article says, or I would counter that article and how it says that eugenics lost power in 1940s. It, uh, eugenics is, as I'm going to get into now, uh, a foundational aspect of how things are run here. It may sound crazy when... Um, when you think that, you know, when, when if you look up eugenics, it's about the superior genetics being the the only one um, that is that should go on and that the unfit genes should not go on. And that, um, you know, it's like breeding horses. You breed the good horses and then the bad horses you sterilize or so you don't have a weak breed, right? That's, that's kind of like the eugenics model. But actually, if you look at our healthcare system, eugenics is a grounding principle that we still use to this day. In fact, um, what have you been taught in health class? Chances are you've been taught some eugenic principles. If you look at mainstream doctors, what do they learn? They learn eugenic principles. It's you have unfit genes, so your body is breaking down, so it needs to it needs these drugs or it needs an operation because you just have you just have poor genes. Um, and if you if uh, one last thing to consider is how do you feel about your own genetics? Chances are, if you're like most people, you think you have inferior genes that you don't have like the the best genes. You know, you, you're not uh, automatically fit. You're not automatically smart. You're not automatically um, healthy. And this is a eugenics type principle that that's really just embedded in all of the education. So much so that people can't even understand the truth of of uh, epigenetics and natural medicine and just you know original medicine. They can't even understand the the, the principles when they hear it. It doesn't make sense. It's like seeing a, a new color. You don't know what to make out uh, of it. You know, or hearing a new word from a different language. You don't can't hear the syllables. It's the same thing. Your brain doesn't know how to wrap its head around a new concept very quickly. And, um, and speaking as someone who's had an autoimmune condition or, you know, symptoms, however you want to say it, uh, for almost 20 years or more than 20 years, uh, I thought I had bad genes. I thought I, I, you know, was doomed, genetically doomed. And it turns out I wasn't. In fact, most people are not genetically doomed. They are not taking into account epigenetics, which is the environment and there are thousands of factors that influence the turning on and off of your gene expression in the body. So that doesn't get doing that. That concept right there is is a little over a lot of a lot of people's heads. So, um, but it's not not a difficult one. It was something that took me a while to understand too. You just have to keep exposing yourself to new ideas, and this leads to a more flexible um, uh, flexible mindset. So, and it's also uh, the eugenic principle is, is the principle that the pharmaceutical company is is built on. Your all your pharmaceuticals are built uh, are are marketed basically is because 
your body's messing up. You need product A, B, C, and D, you know? And in combination with A, B, C, and D, you need E, F, G, H, and I, you know, you need all these pharmaceuticals because your body's just messed up. That's the way it is. And um, it's not, that's a lie. It's marketing. Uh, what I would like to say is that disease basically is, um, is uh, symptoms with really good marketing. That's, uh, that's basically all they are. They're symptoms. They're not, it's, it's concentrating on the smoke as opposed to what's actually causing the fire. It doesn't make sense. It's concentrating on what's downstream and instead of uh, dealing with uh, what is upstream that eventually goes downstream. If that those metaphors help uh, you understand that. So next up, so speaking of all this eugenic stuff, uh, what about the COVID vaccine? The, because it's a very popular topic right now. I have family in line to get it, unfortunately. So you know you can't, you can't, uh, you know you 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 can't save everybody. Um, you know it's it's unnecessary. It's an unnecessary. A vaccine if you could even call it a vaccine it has little research it's literally it's not approved as an ex experiment it is an experiment and people are signing up to be experimented on uh, it doesn't seem like their people their doctors are emphasizing emphasizing that it's an experiment you know you you have zero liability or they have uh, the company who makes the vaccine has zero liability and people are still signing up to do it because they think that's the only thing. But what if there were other treatments? We're going to get into that in a second as well. But anyway, so either, any way you look at it legally, you know, without any emotion to it, the COVID vaccine is by definition an experiment on the entire human race because it has no long-term studies. It's unapproved. It has um, zero liability. It has uh, no possibility or no no information, no efficacy of of for preventing infection, which is kind of the whole you know the whole conversation is is uh, well it was anyway asymptomatic spread. And you're like okay, well I don't want to spread the virus. I mean it doesn't affect most people. Um, so I have to cover my face and, and isolate and, and do all these crazy nonsensical things that are unscientific. Um, and, 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 and even the, the safety trials they used for the vaccines were manipulated safety trials. They faked it. They, they um, didn't do a placebo. They said they were going to. They didn't. They instead used a, a vaccine-like placebo, which doesn't make it a placebo. And then they are also not going to do the long-term study of those people in the placebo group. They are going to um, not sterilize them. They're going to vaccinate those people. So you don't actually see the long-term effect that the vaccine had on that population or that group size, which isn't that much anyway. It's pretty lackluster. All right. So the other thing to point out is that the coronavirus is starting to disappear. The panic, the uh, manipulation of people's psyche uh, is, is starting to get played down. As I said in the previous episode, that um, the WHO has, has changed the count, the way that the PCR tests are run. They have down-regulated the 
the counts, the, the threshold, the amplifications of the sample have now been reduced, meaning, and this is something that's been talked about for practically a year, is that the, the tests are now going to give out less false positives. So the thing with this PCR test is it is an inappropriate test. A lot of people say that they, they shouldn't be using the PCR test because it's a wrong test to use. They should use better tests. And a lot of people say you should at least uh, control the, the amplifications, the cycles of the PCR test. And, and other people say that, um, you know, just, just reduced, <laughs> reduce the cycles. It's, it's, redu it's uh, turning out to be, it's, it's uh, preferentially creating false positives by, by amplifying 40 times. That's, that's really reduces the accuracy. Um, now the, now if this was being said for an entire year and then on January 20th, the day uh, Joe Biden takes a seat in the Oval Office, the WHO decides to actually, you know, reduce the cycles. And act, and even, even more than that, I read, I read a, a bit of the of the new guidelines uh, for the WHO, and I ha have the link in the previous episode. What they also did was that they said that uh, if the pr if the person isn't presenting symptoms, then keep testing until you get a negative. Basically, like what kind of that's the opposite approach. Before it was if you get a positive, no one questioned the positive. It's added to the t case total. Everyone's the positive, even if you get a uh, shot in the head with a, a gun you, and you die, you, and, but you, uh, they test you for coronavirus and you have coronavirus, you are actually a COVID death. That doesn't make any sense. If you die in a motorcycle accident, COVID death. If you die of suicide, COVID death. Whatever, like any cadaver that tests positive uh, for COVID got put into that category. And so it was a race to the top. It was a race to how many cases can we stack up. Um, and Another thing about that too is that uh, that if one person was tested multiple times and had multiple positive um, results, then was that added to the total? Not talked about. So um, so yeah, one hour after he sat down, the the, the WHO uh, changed the way that they're doing the testing. So now it's suddenly a, a race to let's get rid of all the cases, let's downplay everything. Even Cuomo from New York is saying let's open because we're not going to have enough, anything to open by the time uh, you know we decide to, to open. So um, in other words, he was he's faking it because because this is the same thing that was been that's been said for an earlier year. Hydroxychloroquine, uh, antiviral nutrition um, was emphasized from the beginning. Uh, Ivermectin, I don't think, was advertised uh, or talked about from the beginning, but it's a similar drug to hydroxychloroquine, and um, uh, I think it, they're both anti-malarials. I could be wrong. But anyway, um, they are also... Let me not spoil the ending. All right, so uh, I feel like you should be in charge because m most likely you are a better human being than these people in the government who have um, acquiesced, either acquiesced or they've been part of human experiments and have made policies and decisions that have led to thousands, if not millions of deaths. So um, I think it's a low bar, but uh, I think you passed it. I think you're good enough to, to make up your own mind and decide how your life should be. Now, uh, I, I probably used this story before, or maybe you've heard of it, but now, do you know how people control a multi-ton animal like an elephant? 
what they do is they take a stake and a rope and they tie it to a baby elephant. So the baby elephant is not strong enough to actually overpower the rope and the stake. Um, you know, when they grow, they obviously would be, but at that time, they're not. So what happens is over time, the baby elephant gives up. This is kind of sad. It makes me sad just to say it. Okay, <laughs> and, um, and it learns to be helpless. So this is what's been done to you and to me, to most, to, to the lower class people. These are, the, we are the non-ruling elite. You know, we are non ruling elite, yes. We are the 99%, 99.9%. Uh, we've been taught to be helpless by our education system, by our entertainment, by our fake news, which is really just, it's really fake news. It's not real news. It's propaganda. And um, and it's always this this uh, perspective of you are you are the prey. You need assistance. You need to be told what to do because you don't know better. Go to the experts. And so with that kind of mentality, we are like the baby elephant. We are much more powerful uh, as we grow up. Uh, we are more powerful than what is holding us back, but we are not actually fulfilling our potential because we were taught not to. The human body, the human, like we, it's capable of so many amazing things. Um, like I mentioned before, I had an autoimmune uh, symptoms. I had autoimmune symptoms. They didn't fit into a particular disease, but my joints were deteriorating. Uh, eventually, I got diagnosed with arthritis um, as it spread to other parts of my body, but mainly it was in my knees. And, uh, you know, I went from being uh, difficulty walking to, you know, squatting 350 plus pounds. You know, that is, that's amazing to me. Now, the human body is capable of more things than that. And I think that if everyone understood their their, how wonderful their body is and how capable they are, then this world would be completely different. We wouldn't really want help from the government. We would be making our own uh, society the way we see fit, you know, based on helping people, based on, on love, based on uh, nature and, and nutrition and uh, success, you know, not based on fear and disease and... Um, you know, all these crazy things that are trying to, and eugenics, not based on that crazy concept of eugenics. I mean, I think there are, there is actually a company, a lot of companies that test your DNA, that test your genetics, excuse me, I got something in my eye, okay, that test your genetics and they, and, uh, you know, for a couple bucks. And I always wondered, how can you test, test someone's genetics? You know, that's expensive. You have a scientist, you have um, you know, having to run a machine, getting a sample and things like that. That sounds expensive. But what they do is they actually sell your information. This is what, what so many different companies are built on. They're built on selling your information. And think about that. Your information, the little <laughs> things you think are not important, are so valuable to these companies. Why is that? Because you're valuable if you are better controlled. And so we are a trillion-dollar business we are a multi-trillion dollar business. Some would, I would say, um, that we are, we are hundreds of trillions of dollars of business. If you add up all those different businesses that, that prey and, and um, profit off of our sickness and our ignorance, then you make up the, practically the whole world's economy. So, so, um, so yeah, so it's much better if we take ownership of our own lives and um, if you want to read the full article, because I'm paraphrasing 
um, a pretty lengthy article that I, I'm going to put up on my website, uh, rootlevelwellness.com, rootlvlwellness.com, or on Medium, or um, do I have a third place where I place articles? I don't think I do. Anyway, so once again, let's um, let me emphasize. So what I what I want to promote is a greater reset. So no no uh, creepy top down. Great Reset, which Biden and Klaus Schwab and the Prime Minister of Canada and all these other fake world leaders, um, they not, not what the Great Reset that they're proposing, I propose the Greater Reset, which is a concept that I've just came across recently on Telegram, the Great Reset or Greater Reset. There's a link uh, below, which is all about getting us, the people, to take charge of our lives and, um, and be more independent and and decentralize everything uh, from these crazy governments who literally experiment on us daily and and I would argue as well the healthcare industry is is built on a lie it's built on on experimenting on you because the like I said autoimmune disease curable not even um, curable. It's not important. It's not the disease is not important. So, like, if I got rid of the oxygen in a room where there is fire, the the fire would go away. So, you know, not really the fire. The smoke is not really important. Is basically what I'm saying. So, the autoimmune disease is smoke. Uh, getting rid of the reasons that cause it, or uh, is the real thing. And then that's not a cure. That's not a treatment. That is actually removing the fuel behind the fire so that's how i look at it and 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 that concept of you know poor genes you have this disease it runs in your family as a load of bs and it's uh and it kills people and it's killed people i know and i'm sure it's killed people you know because if cancer is the same thing cancer 90 percent or more of cancer can be prevented think about that that's huge that is billions, billions of dollars. Um, that is millions of lives. That is uh, a lot. Okay. So anyway, uh, so what is, yes, remember you are capable of a lot of things. Sorry, trying to summarize things and I don't have my glasses. I'm working on um, fixing my eyes actually. I'll just say it. I'm working on fixing my eyes naturally. And so I'm doing research and, and figuring that out. And uh, yeah, so as far as I understand, your body is capable of a lot of amazing things and uh, perfect sight is also one of them. You just have to learn why. Why do you have poor vision and, you know, remove the reasons for that. So now let's get to the COVID-19 treatment. So to wrap it all up, yes, there's a president for, um, for experimentation on, on a human population. Yes, the CDC, the NIH, all these, you know, slogans, all these health departments are not really, they don't really care about health. I, I'm just going to come out and say that they don't care about health. Let's, let's be honest. And there's, and there's evidence right now, huge evidence, which I'm going to go over in a second, that shows that the National Institute of Health does not care about ending this pandemic whatsoever because it does not fit their plan, they, the people who are telling them uh, how to act. And the, but let me get to that in a second. So back in 2005, like I mentioned before, SARS-CoV uh, virus, the SARS coronavirus, uh, the 
effective treatment was chloroquine. It was a it stopped the spread of the virus, and um, and it's 2005. So when this whole thing started in um, February or March of 2020, why was this not the first area that people went to? That's a good question. And it's one I think it's obvious is that they don't actually care about preventing the spread because they used they used this virus all across the world for the purposes of doing the Great Reset of of shifting more power away from the individual to the uh, ruling class. So that is where things are going right now. And just uh, predictable, uh, like like a script. We've been a lot of people have been saying this is that um, you know they're going to do the vaccine passports the uh, va- you know trying to make the va- uh, vaccine mandatory we already know that it was going to get approved no matter what no matter how horrible the data was on the vaccine no questions asked it's approved uh, it's an experiment yet uh, they're covering up the the horrific um, the horrific reactions that a lot of these people are having from uncontrollable convulsions to um, death to um, anaphylaxis uh, reactions. They're they're really playing it down. They are still reporting it, but they're playing it down. So far, as far as uh, the U.S. was 188 COVID-19 vaccine deaths. So it's just getting started. And 5,000 adverse reactions uh, like bad adverse reactions where people are hospitalized for a day or more or have to be taken care of for who knows how long. So to so what I recommend is for you to spread this protocol to people right now. It is completely okay for you to talk to your, talk to your uh, mainstream medicine doctor or consider uh, or look into this information. I'm not recommending you do something over a podcast or through an article, but um, definitely worth looking into the information. And it's not my protocol. So um, I think I have a legal safe zone right here. So um, what, uh, yeah, definitely make sure to do that before they mess with this protocol like they did with hydroxychloroquine. And people are still taking hydroxychloroquine and people are still ha- being saved by those protocols that the National Institute of Health is trying to slow down or or stop altogether. But uh, but this one so far is safe. Wait, uh, okay, I lied. I know it's not. It's, it's actually being attacked right now uh, by the National Institute of Health, uh, just a little bit, just really subtle. So right now it's in a neutral category where this protocol is neither recommended nor um, nor uh, Oh, uh, recommended against. Um, but there are open letters on the website I have below. I believe it's flccc.com, something like that. Article uh, or, or the website's down below. And they actually publish their open letters to the National Institute of Health showing the NIH response and as well as these doctors' response to what the NIH is nitpicking about. So uh, this is not an anecdotal protocol. So they've already, let me read to you what they've already done. So they've had 24 controlled trials, including a total number of 6,612 patients have been completed using well-matched control groups. So that's one thing. So it doesn't seem so anecdotal, huh? 
16 trials, including over 2,500 patients, are prescriptive, prospective, sorry, no glasses, working on my vision, <laughs> randomized control studies. Now, 11 of the 27 trials have been published in peer-reviewed journals. 3,900 patients remi remainder are in print in preprint, so that's about to be published. So sounds like they have a lot of data uh, and very little bit amount of time, you know, under a year. Sounds like there's a lot of uh, promise there. You, know, you would think the National Institute of Health would want to, uh, you know, scramble to, to, to save people's lives, right? Supposedly 4,000 people are dying a day of this virus, um, which I don't, I don't think so. I think it's the they're dying from politics and uh, and and poor protocols. Um, the so here's here's a little brief summary, my summary of the little back and forth that the frontline doctors are having with NIRH. So uh, the frontline doctors say that this protocol has worked for thousands of people. We have nearly 40 studies, and there is little risk. So ivermectin been used for a very long time. These uh, the other parts of the protocol is nutritional and, um, you know, very little risk. NIH says, eh, there's not enough information. Uh, really flippantly, like you'll see one little, one little lines for, N for NIH. Uh, frontline doctors say, but the only people who are capable of a, of a trial size that big is pharmaceutical, are the pharmaceutical industries and the NIH. And, um, and why would the pharmaceutical industry conduct a, a research study on a, a cheap uh, off-patent drug like ivermectin. Um, and why, aren't, why isn't the NIH actually doing a study? I, mean, I think that's a big question. After eight, 10 months, a year, where are the NIH studies that show repurs repurposing drugs? Nope, nowhere, probably nowhere. It's it's typically if you find research on the repurposed drugs, it's it's this, it's a lot of good stuff about those repurposed drugs. Uh, then it's um, they come up with some conflicting uh, um, hit piece study where they fake the science. They they purposely uh, either give the protocol at the wrong time or they give it at the wrong dose or they um, you know they do something along those lines. And this is a common scientific. Uh, political scientific tactic. So um, next, the NIH says, I'd rather recommend the vaccine that has less research than ivermectin. And honestly, no research, no long-term research on ivermectin as well. And um, anyway, so NIH, no questions asked. We'll use the experimental vaccine. Uh, we don't want to use your, uh, <laughs> your uh, long history of... of uh, of dependability of a drug like ivermectin. So um, the frontline doctors, the guy w was nearly, you know, was pretty emotional. There's a video on, on the website of him trying to get the NIH to do something. Um, and what, so what he said basically in that video was that there are four people, 4,000 people dying every day and they're the minorities and the disenfranchised his words. Um, and NIH uh, doesn't, doesn't really say, it's like, eh, okay. Uh, you know, it's, there's not enough evidence there. Or there, there, you can li literally tell response by response, the NIH is nitpicking 
the studies. Oh, there's not, uh, there's not, there's a small sample size or it's a small trial size, uh, and and then the doctors will say, but these these trials had over a hundred, and the definition of a small trial size is under a hundred or something like that. And the NIH uh, just finds something else to nitpick and nitpick. You can tell they're they're going, they're trying to perpetuate this thing, and um, and this is not actually a big deal. Um, it's the it's the it's a po uh, politics being played right now. That's that's the big deal. So um, so if you look at the downloadable PDFs uh, on that website and the links below, you'll notice that a lot of the protocol is antiviral nutrition that's been talked about for nearly a year and um, hydroxychloroquine pretty much being the only difference and that's only because of political purposes I believe um, why that's not in there and some of these doctors uh, say that uh, hydroxychloroquine works better than ivermectin which is pretty crazy because these trials show that it works really 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 well so they're showing the hydro there so these other doctors are saying hydroxychloroquine still works better, and it's cheap. It's I believe it's pennies for a dose, and um, so not anecdotal. So some of the um, links are down below, and yeah, so that's been the episode. I hope this wasn't too long or boring. Remember, uh, this is. There, I mean, they're never going to. And like, if you're, if people are waiting for these government institutions to admit that they lied or that they, um, they're, they're doing something wrong, then it's never going to happen. And historically speaking, it happens decades after uh, incriminating evidence is found. And then there's a new administration who uh, all they have to do is apologize for the previous people. That's it. So what are what are the takeaways? Pass this proto these protocols along. I I started texting the people um, all around me, all you know, throughout my whole uh, contact list, and you know, just text it. I mean, they may not do anything with it. They may not even look because people have this um, programming, this learned helplessness, and they believe that they need to get the information from certain people, and they're not smart enough to actually decide for themselves. Um, speaking of, uh, had a conversation with, with a family member and, uh, they're getting the vaccine and it was, it was pretty, I mean, maybe this is why I'm a little fired up right now. Um, but <laughs> they're getting the vaccine and I was just like, this didn't make sense. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe they don't know that, uh, there's no long-term research. Nope. They know there's no long-term research. Okay, maybe they think that it's gonna prevent SARS-CoV-2, the the infection, and uh, nope, they know it doesn't prevent the infection. Um, they think it's ninety percent effective. Uh, like, okay, maybe they think it's ninety set ninety percent effective against the uh, infection. So I was like, no, they they know it's only ninety percent effective against uh, supposedly reducing symptoms. That's it. That's all of this. So. What was the point in, in ex putting in yourself into an experiment, experimental trial? No idea. But uh, this person is very stubborn. They're conventionally medicine trained, and this is one of the you know basically eugenics. They they're trained to think they're inferior, and they they have a concrete authority that they need to answer to, and that's their doctor. So a lot of people have this worshiping kind of mentality when it comes to their mainstream doctor and this person has that it's uh you know this person that they've known for 20 years can do no wrong they're infallible they're godlike creatures who knows 
who know everything. Um, you know, they learned everything 30, 40 years ago. Uh, who knows if they're doing more research now? Um, who, who knows if these people uh, are, you know, have the best interest of the patient at heart because they have, uh, they could put, potentially have conflicting interest with, uh, you know, the medical board that they uh, answer to or the, the hospital, whoever, you know, uh, gives orders. And if they have, yeah. So anyway, so yes. So had that conversation, tough conversation. I hope she's okay. Uh, oops, I gave it away. It is a, it is a she. So um, hope my family members who take this experimental vaccine are okay, even though there's an effective treatment. And I, I forwarded her the treatment and I forwarded all my family the treatment. So I hope, um, but yeah, we'll, we, we'll do the best we can do. Uh, and you know, we're not responsible for other people. So in the coming days, remember that. Take care and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Wow. Okay. So you're still listening. Amazing. Yeah, I know that was a long episode, but I want to make sure you didn't miss out on the new promotion for from Equal Life, which is the uh, $100 off uh, any single lab sale. So that's functional medicine at home labs. I probably talked about it uh, 50 times on my show, but uh, they are life-changing uh, functional medicine lab tests that test for the sy different system imbalances that can take place. So that means that if there's a specific nutrient deficiency or toxicity causing one of the symptoms that that uh, bother you, then you actually get to identify what they are. And then you get uh, included a coaching call. So a coach, whether me uh, or the Equal Life uh, Health Coach, uh, will take you through how to uh, remove that imbalance, whatever it is, a toxicity, deficiency, or both. Uh, and if it's with me, make sure to uh, email at M-A-T-H-E-W at rootlvlwellness.com and uh yeah and we'll set up a time once the results are sent in and uh yeah can't recommend these tests enough i i always uh, uh talk about them they are life-changing they've uh, allowed me to have the health i never had before so um yeah take care and i hope you take advantage of that offer bye